Hey girl, welcome to the Empower Her podcast, where we are all about taking purpose-driven action toward building lives we really freaking love. My name's Keisha, and I'm an entrepreneur obsessed with giving you actual tools to help take you from where you are now to where you want to go in your life, career, and relationships. And this podcast, it's all about real talk and having some fun as we share incredible stories, tips, and tricks to help us get out of our own way and unapologetically make some moves. So girlfriend, let's do the damn thing. Hey girl, I'm so excited that you're here for today's show because we have on Kathy Heller, a woman that I so deeply admire, so much so that I brought her on for round two. She was also episode 88. And if you don't know her, she's the author of Don't Keep Your Day Job. And she's the host of the podcast titled the same with over 12 million downloads in only three years. And Kathy has had a lot of twists and turns in her career. First, she was a musician and now she's an entrepreneur with all sorts of different business ventures, but she helps creatives find more purpose in their life and get paid to do what they love. She's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, Huffington Post, New York, Times, Inc. Magazine. And honestly, she's had all of these crazy accolades, but why I love her so much is she's humble and gracious and kind and has a crap ton of value to offer to you. And I slid into her DMs on Instagram and asked her to come back on the show because I was getting a lot of questions from you around the topics of supporting yourself emotionally during this season and also making pivots in your career, dealing with comparison and and navigating fear and how to monitor your passions or grow your business. And she gives such incredible tactical advice on all of those topics. It's such a cool episode. I think you're really going to vibe with it and be sure to tag both of us with your takeaways because I cannot even wait to hear what you think. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Kathy, I am so excited that you're here back on the show. Round two. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. You always have like so much energy, such good enthusiasm. So it makes it fun. Thank you so much. So the reason I had to bring you up back on and why I slid into your DMs and was like, Kathy, come back on the show is because of three topics that I am getting a lot of questions about during this season that I know the audience of this podcast is really going to connect with your kind of just breakdown on these topics. One being um, how to kind of show up and support yourself right now um, during just a lot of crazy in the world. Number two is also around the idea of pivoting or transitioning and how kind of comparison is often holding us back. And finally, of course, just figuring out like what the heck your thing is, your passions are, and if there's any way that women listening to this might be able to monetize them that they haven't thought about yet. So that's kind of the direction I want to go. And um, so let's kind of dive into first, like, of course, everyone can go back to episode 88 and they can hear more about your backstory. And I'm definitely going to link that in the show notes. But you have had a lot of different transitions in your life and you've been in a lot of different career paths. And obviously with a really successful podcast and mentoring so many people, I'm curious as to what your take is on how you are best supporting yourself or what what tools or tactics that you've seen work really well for the women that you're connecting with to support themselves during all these different seasons? When you say support them yourself, I just want to make sure I'm clear. Do you mean supporting yourself financially or supporting yourself in terms of like your emotional health? I mean, emotionally first. 
That's yeah. what I thought you meant, but I wanted to make sure. Because yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely talk about both. Yes, um, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's no right way to do this. Right. This is really hard. I don't think anyone is like, oh, yeah, this is how you live through a pandemic. It's so easy. You just <laughs> right. do this, this, and this. So part of it is letting yourself feel sad. I think that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness sometimes, it's sadness, meaning we don't let ourselves feel sad. Mm -hmm. So we get depressed. And then we think, I got to get happy, but I can't get happy because it feels so far away. If you kind of let yourself be sad sometimes, you move through this like horrible feeling into something that's maybe closer to feeling better, right? So I think giving ourselves permission to feel our feelings, they've done a lot of studies in mindfulness research and they know that that's true, that when we name the feeling, you know, like I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling overwhelmed. It just feels better. It's kind of like when a little kid is riding a bike and the kid falls off the bike, they've done these studies where they watch mothers interact and some moms are like, you know, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Look over here, look at the birdie, look at the thing. And the kid is just like, not doing well, you know, like that's not great. Or, you know, you have a mom who comes over and says, you know, stop crying. Don't cry. You know, well, that doesn't help either. Or you have a mom that comes over and says, you fell off. That was scary. Oh boy. It's red. Ouch. And the kid goes, ah, and like feels it for a minute. And then it like passes. So we don't really know how to self-regulate. You know, we don't know how to self-soothe. Part of it means just let yourself hold a space for what you're feeling. It is amazing how that little tiny moving toward it actually helps. So that's number one. Um, Number two is I think right now your mind is constantly looking for danger anyway. That's what it's stimulated by. So the best thing you can do is give it something else to be stimulated by other than worry and other than the news because worrying is actually useless. Like it, it literally doesn't do anything that's going to help you. It only hurts you because we know that we have a sympathetic nervous system and a parasympathetic nervous system. And what normally happens is that the parasympathetic nervous system is sort of like it's, it's re, it, it, what happens is the sympathetic nervous system is reactive. Mm-hmm. And when we're in that place where we're just reactive all the time, it actually is bad for our immune system. But what we know is that when we kind of like feel our five senses, like you feel your feet on the ground or you just for 30 seconds, try to just like taste the strawberry you're eating and notice if it's cold or notice what part of your tongue you feel it on anything with your senses, any kind of mindfulness that brings you into the parasympathetic nervous system, which actually releases what's called immunoglobin, that's literally the name of it, which is an antiviral in the body. Wow. So your immune system, the reason why most of the time, thank God we don't get sick Mm -hmm. is because we have immune systems, right? Right. When you get a little bit peaceful, your body knows how to help you and defend itself. When you're in constant worry, it drains all the cortisol. It drains you of all this stuff, which makes you literally sicker. So the worrying doesn't help. And so I think trying to find ways to do a forest bath. What does it mean? Forest bathing? Just go outside. That's all it means. Put your feet in the grass in the backyard for five minutes and close your eyes. And I think building things that are really exciting takes the mind away from 
the other garbage and it gives it a, a, a more stimulating problem to solve, which is how do I create my own business or how do I find one way to make today epic, which is a great question to ask every day. Yes, I love that. And then is there like... Are there some creative ways that someone who maybe doesn't see themselves, because I think a lot of times when you hear mindfulness, you think of like sitting down, cross-legged, like having to meditate, like what are some creative ways to kind of like add that into your day? So obviously going outside, putting your feet on the grass. And you mentioned something about putting a strawberry into your mouth, which I listened to on your podcast episodes about that. And that was so huge. So can you kind of walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. So when I was learning mindfulness at the Mindful Awareness Research Center at UCLA, LA, I was really intimidated and I didn't love sitting down and meditating because it made me feel really anxious and it took me a while to, to like it. Yeah. And then I started studying with this woman, Susan Kaiser Greenland, who is a mindfulness teacher for kids. And she wrote a book called The Mindful Child. And she has all these practices that kids can do, but adults can do them too. And I started to work with her. And then I started on my own teaching those practices to adults that she would teach to kids because I felt like they were really helpful. And there's all kinds of mindfulness. There's mindful eating. You were just talking about that. Mindful Mm. walking. There's So you could decide that every day when you go to the refrigerator, you're going to, for those 11 steps, notice the ball of your foot and the, you know, the heel of your foot, the toe of your foot as you walk to the fridge. That's it. That is being mindful. That will actually help your nervous system and it will change your whole life if you did that just every time you walk to the fridge. If you do that with eating and say, every time I eat, the first five bites of whatever I eat, I'm going to just taste it, notice the texture that'll change your life. That'll rewire your brain actually and make you literally healthier and calmer. Oh, that's such a, like, I love it because it's so tangible and it's something that someone listening to this right now who's like unloading the dishwasher can be like, you know what? I'm going to be mindful, like heel, toe, heel, toe, right? Yeah, or you can even do it with sound, right? Like I'm going to spend, you know, the first five minutes when I wake up in the morning or the, the, the first, you know, Every day at five o'clock from five o'clock to five oh one, I'm gonna close my eyes and listen for what sounds I hear. I hear yeah. the hum of the refrigerator, I hear the car outside. That's meditation. Yeah. It's meditation is focusing your attention on something. It could be your yes. breath, it could be the sound of a car, it could be the feeling of your feet touching the ground. And when you do that, your mind stops spinning because you give it something to tether to and it makes you feel so good. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. So okay. There are a lot of women right now listening to this podcast that are thinking about different pivots in their careers, either by choice or, you know, I guess it's always a choice, but essentially, you know, maybe they don't have a job and they're kind of using this time to figure out what's the direction that they want to go. Or maybe they feel this calling to do something, but they're feeling scared. Can you talk a little bit about the emotion side of transitions and then we'll go more tactical and just kind of the feelings associated with that? Yeah, I think that it is really scary. I think that there's two things that scare us. One, we feel like, especially in this moment, like who the heck am I to do that? That would be so insensitive for me to start a business, for me to be charging other people. So I want to get into that. And then the second thing is, I don't think that I'm worthy because I don't think I'm good enough and I don't think my ideas matter. So there's like the pandemic part of like, why would I sell right now? And, And the other part of like, oh my God, I'm not good enough. So I'm not going to start anything and I'm just going to go back to working for someone else. Yeah. So which, which one do you want to talk about first? Let's do the first one first. So I think that when it comes to right now in this time, both of the things are going to be the same answer. Mm -hmm. And it's all about empathy. 
Okay. So when you think to yourself, oh my God, I don't want to sell right now. That would be so insensitive. Then we don't understand what business is. Yeah. So business by definition is empathy. If it's not, you don't have a business anyway. Because a business means somebody wants it. A business means I validated it. It's not a hobby. It's not about me. It's about someone else. Someone else is going to pay me for it. So by definition, if you have a validated business, meaning it's a business, you've, you've, you've listened to what your people want. You've gone and made those, those kinds of art kits. You've gone and created that course. You went and created those sweatshirts. How could you not put that out there? Because that's what they're asking you for. They're so grateful that you have that available. And as far as the understanding of where we are right now in the economy, it is empathy again, because we are the economy. Yeah. So if we sit down and stop selling, how does that help our neighbors? Money has to keep moving through, through the system, just like blood in the body. If it stops flowing, the body dies, right? Same thing with money. Whatever money you make is not meant to be held onto. It's meant to be spent. The more money you make, the more you spend on other people's businesses, the more you hire people. So if you look around at the people who are able to sell right now, that's a big, happy thing. We're, we're yeah. actually sad for the businesses that can't sell. So what are we going to do? Look at the businesses like Target and go, you do it. You do it for everyone else. Make enough money so you can hire everyone else. It's impossible. Amazon can't hire the whole world. Yeah. So it's all of our job to stand up. So my friend Susie says it really well. She says, you either have the courage to sell or you work for someone else who does. And yeah. it all comes back to empathy. If you know that what you're making is something people need, how could you not sell it, especially right now? And as a back page, like a, a background to all of that, people should know what's really going on. There are people losing their jobs. Yeah. What else is going on? There are people who would be spending money right now on vacations who have money to spend. Mm -hmm. What else is going on? We might have 30% of the country out of work. What, else, what does that also mean? It means 70% of the country has enough money that they're going to make it through this. Yep. So the rich will get richer and then there will be people who lose, lose money, right? Mm -hmm. but, but if we ignore the fact that there are people who want to spend money, are we seeing the whole story? Nope. So what we know, CNBC just did a report about how Hasbro is having a big spike in their business. People are buying Monopoly games, jigsaw puzzles, People are buying baking items. They want to start to learn how to make their own popovers and muffins. People are buying crafting kits. People are buying online courses. Attention online is up 300% than it's ever been. So is everybody not spending money? No. Yeah. Are certain industries dominating? Yep. Are certain people making more money than ever? Yes. So are there people who want to spend? Yes. So what the answer is, is what are you going to make that people need? That's always the question you have to answer. You just have to answer it now through mostly a virtual space. But that's a good thing for the world anyway, because how many more products need to be created? How many more things do we need essentially in the environment, destroying our environment? Or... Can we understand that last year in America, 1.6 million people attempted suicide, which means the greatest need is belonging. It's not more stuff, it's belonging. So what can you create online? Courses, memberships, communities. What can you be creating content-wise? How can you build an audience and sell and create what people really need, which is connection? And they need it now more than ever. Oh, preach. Someone listening in the shower just like threw her loofah in the air? Yes, Kathy. Oh my gosh, I... I feel that on such a deep level, so important. So, okay. Now, of course, you know, the woman that's going to come in and say, uh, but Kathy, like, 
I've got this idea. I don't really know if it's a good idea or blah, blah, blah has done it before. What, like, what, who, do, who am I to think I could do that? Let's talk to her. Yeah. I hear that constantly, like yeah. literally all the time. And I challenge people mm-hmm. because I think it's false humility. I think yeah. that is an ego at its biggest. And I know that everyone's like, no, it's not. It is. I do the same thing. That's all ego. Yeah. Cause we're not here for us. Whatever gifts we have, it's not about, am I the best? And, and then therefore, am I, am I allowed to start a podcast or a blog or a business? No. You were created because you're needed. If you're needed, you're not here for yourself. You're here for other people. It's our obligation. It's a moral obligation to share our gifts and show up and be available to help other people. That's why we're here. And that's why... What we love most, what we see in the data is that what people, human beings crave most is contribution because we know that's what we were put here for. So it's not about us. Yeah. It's about other people. And so when we're like, it's like, no, 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 you're needed. You're needed. You're needed. And it's a get yourself out of the way and just say, can I be of use? Because what people need more than the perfect funnel, what people need more than you know, the the biggest expert on the planet is they need somebody who's present. They need someone who shows up. Mm -hmm. They need someone who leans in and listens and asks them what they want and then takes the initiative to try to help make it better. Everybody can do that. And business, anything that works, any relationship, it's empathy, like I said, which means if it works, it's because I'm solving a problem for you. So how do I do that? I ask you what you need solved. And I then think, what possible tools do I have to help you solve that problem? Oh, I'm good at this, so I'll be a carpenter. I'm good at this, so I'll be an electrician. I'm good at this, so I'll speak. I'm good at this. That's our job. And then it's not about, I'm this and this other person's better. It's like, you're needed. Are you available? Right? Mm-hmm. I love what you said, whether it was one of your podcasts or something I listened to, a really simple statement that you said was, do you have anything to add to the yeah. conversation about that? I'm like, y- yeah, it's it that is. simple. Like, Because it's like one person is not going to be for everyone. So it has to be delivered with your style. Like you are the secret sauce. And I think a lot so of people true. get in their heads about that. I feel like every person carries like, a puzzle piece that if you don't put it down, the puzzle doesn't get completed because I've never met a person who's identical to somebody else. I have a friend whose daughters are twins, but they're not identical. Even though they are, they're not. It's like everyone comes with a unique imprint and a unique fingerprint, unique DNA, because it's not relevant if there's someone else doing anything that you do. It's just not. What's relevant is what's your spin on it. So good. Okay. So now thinking about, I <laughs> see, I'm just going to kind of go all these different directions because I'm visualizing questions that might be coming up for people. So, okay. Now to the woman that's like, Kathy, I hear that. Okay. I can get on board with that ideology, but I actually feel like I don't know my thing. And then to the woman that kind of knows her thing, but she's saying she doesn't know. Can we talk to each of those women? Yeah. In terms of what? In terms of starting your business, in terms of figuring out what it is. Figuring out what her business is or starting it in the first place. If she kind of knows what it is, but she's like, "Ah, I don't know if I feel like I can do it. So 
both of those women. I guess we'll start with the one who knows what it is in her, in her heart. She knows, but she's doing that like, Oh, like, should I actually start it? Is this a good time to start it? Like, what if it fails? Can we talk to her a little bit? I mean, that is the most draining, exhausting place. And everybody, every single person, myself included, we always get stuck there at some point. And then we have to get ourselves out of that place. The only way is through, you know, like, What you're really, when people say they have a problem with their business or they're not sure about their marketing, it's really, it's something else. It's, it's not a business problem. It's a courage problem. Yeah. It's not about the business. It's not about the timing. It's about, I'm afraid of getting rejected. So if you really think about it, you're afraid of what people are going to say. You're afraid of getting rejected. You're afraid that it's going to be messy. And that is a given people won't like it mm-hmm. and you will get rejected. Nobody says yeah. that being an entrepreneur means every single person will like everything you do. Nobody says that being married means you're never going to get rejected. So that's not a thing. It's about doing yeah. it and going, there's already people who probably don't like me. And by the way, there are. Newsflash, there are people who yeah. don't like me, right? So mm-hmm. that's part of the human experience can't save ourselves from that. And all of the momentum and all the clarity and all the answers and all the confidence comes from doing the thing. That's how we figure out if it's working. That all businesses do is like they test things. They put out the red cup and the blue cup and which one do people buy? They're always testing. They have an idea for a movie title. They ask the audience, they pull the audience, they do focus groups. The rejection is really just redirection. If people hated it, Good. That's a blessing. Don't make it. Don't waste your time. If people hate you, good. They'll never buy from you anyway. Don't waste your time on those people. So yes, it's really just about that. Oh, I love it. So free. Yeah, it is. Right. You know, when you think about it that way, just like, oh, whatever, shake it off. Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay. So to the woman that's right now kind of, so she's in the stage where she has a job, and she works from home. She's still getting paid, um, but she has more time on her hands because she doesn't have small children at home yet. And she's like, I think I have like a creative project that's on my heart. And she actually has a lot of time right now and she's willing to kind of dive into it, but she doesn't have any idea of the direction that she mm-hmm. wants to go. How do you help people that come to you in that space kind of figure out to, how to navigate that? Well, there's there's a few pieces to it, okay? Yeah. Often we are like, what's my existential purpose in life? And then we get stuck there forever because your purpose is not something you find under a rock. It's something that develops over time. People start out doing one thing and then inevitably pivot and they pivot and they pivot and they pivot. I started out as a songwriter. 14 years later, I'm hosting a podcast and writing books. I was led to that because I tried something. I liked this part of it. People responded to this part of it. It led me to this thing, to this opportunity. It's like, So we develop those things. So how do we know what really will work? How do we know what really to start with and try? Well, we have to ask a different question rather than what's my purpose. We have to ask the question of how can I be of use today? Mm. Business means solving problems. The The more problems you solve, the more money you make. The bigger the problem you solve, the more money you make. The more specific the problem you solve, the more money you make. So ask yourself, what problems do I solve? Do I organize closets? Do I teach people Spanish? Do I make the best bread? What problem do you solve? Start with a list, brain dump. Then ask five friends, what do you think I do? What do you come to me for? Oh, I come to you for advice. Oh, I come to you when I need someone to listen. Oh, I come to you when I need to know what, what dress to work with, what earrings. Huh. 
Interesting. Write it all down. Notice which one lights you up. Notice which one you could spend your time really doing more. And then you start and you say, I am going to make those cupcakes. People said that I'm good at that. And I do like, I do enjoy doing it. So, okay, I'm going to make those cupcakes and I'm going to reach out to three of my vegan friends who might eat these vegan cupcakes. And I'm going to say, what have you tried that's vegan? What'd you like about it? What did you not like about it? What would you want from me? Oh, gluten-free. Oh, you want the chocolate chip kind with (laughs) the brand, like chocolate chip brand vegan. Interesting. Okay. And then you start to build those three people into your first customers and you make the thing and you ask them what they think. And then you say, oh my gosh, okay, each one of these people, on average, every human being has 400 people that are Facebook friends with them. So do you ask them to give you a testimonial? Do you start thinking about how to start now branding yourself and creating awareness that you do these vegan things, that you talk about what you do, why you do, how you do it, you create a brand, you start creating some content and people start to come to you and you build it that way. You start with how can I be of use? What do people come to me for? What do I like doing? And who would be three people that might like that class, might like those brownies, might like those t-shirts. Let me start with them, ask them what they want, Build it, beta test it, go. That's your entry point. I mean, I feel like you just told it in like a storybook. You're so, I love the way you explain things because you just take the, because right now someone listening to this is, you. I mean, you know what she's thinking. She's pent up with all of this anxiety and she's like, oh, I just want to figure it out. And she just needs like a little bit of like, okay. I can do that. I can start with three people. I can figure out, get feedback. Like, I just love the way you describe things, which is why I'm like obsessed with your content and what you're doing because people need to hear it that way. It's like, yeah, it just, I receive it so well. That's so sweet. Um, So, so right now, like to the person who's kind of going that direction of, okay, I'm going to start doing the thing. And I'm actually willing to transition or pivot. Like you went, I mean, your career is, I mean, can you just kind of give a high level overview of your career? Of course, we're going to link in the show notes when you talked more about it on episode 88, but just explain these transitions because some women right now are freaking out about their very first transition. I don't want to be like, girl, it's going to be okay. So tell them kind of your ups and Yeah. I mean, I came to LA, got a day job so I could pay my rent. Um, And then I... My, my day job was working in a casting office and that was kind of miserable. I was trying to get a record deal, got a record deal, uh, signed to Interscope. I was with Lady Gaga recording paparazzi. That was pretty cool. Got dropped from the label four months later or something around that. Uh, got a bunch of other day jobs, worked for a nonprofit, worked in a commercial real estate firm. I was told if you're not going to do what you love, make money. Great. What do people know about making money? They should have told me to build an online business. They didn't know that. My friends at the time, 2007, (laughs) six, they said, go work in real estate. So I did that and I was miserable. And a year and a half later, I was like, is there any other way to do music other than being Beyonce? And I found that people were licensing music to Grey's Anatomy and Coca-Cola commercials. And I said, let me just focus on that. Focused on that. Started to work. Made about $300,000 a year for many, many years. Then other artists asked me how you do that. I was like, I don't know. How do I do that? Do I have a process? What do I have a method? Started to teach it, created an online course called Six Figure Songwriting. Didn't know what I was doing. My first launch made 147000 I was like, whoa, I made half of what I make in a year songwriting, teaching people how to songwrite. Turns out you knew what you were yeah. doing. <laughs> then they did another launch. Second launch was like 440 grand. I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. Then third launch, I made like a million bucks. And I was like, oh. And then 
one of my students said, start a podcast. You are so inspiring. You're such a good teacher. Started a podcast. Yeah. I was like, let me see if I can help all creative people find a way. So my husband said, call it, don't keep your day job. Like what would be the things you did if you left your day job? What would be all your fun things, all your passion projects? Started the podcast three years ago. We are now at almost 15 million downloads three years in. And I've gotten to meet Jenna Fisher from The Office and Howard Schultz and Barbara Corcoran. And it's been so fun. And I then started building programs around how do you get paid to do what you love how do you build yep. six and seven figure launches, which is what I teach now? Like, how do you make the biggest amount of cash? It's all empathy. Newsflash, I have a yep. whole method. My whole like six figure, seven figure framework is like, how do you literally show up every day? And what's the framework around building an engaged audience and scaling that? And so I have a whole sort of method for that. But yeah, I mean, that that's my career arc. So yeah, there's been a bunch of transitions. Yeah. Not to mention, there's been like eight things in there that I didn't mention because they didn't work. Like when I was in yeah. the midst of the songwriting thing, I was writing music for the Jim Henson company at one point and I created a whole pilot and PBS liked it and Disney Junior liked it. And then in the end, after two years, the network didn't decide to pick it up, neither network. So that was a loss. I was then teaching the songwriting class. I wrote a book on songwriting and licensing your music. None of the lit agents or publishers wanted to make the book. So there's a lot of things that were failures along the way, but I'm sharing with you also what wound up working too. So yeah, but they were all big transitions. And everything I did was a side hustle to the thing I was already doing. Like the online course was a side hustle to the songwriting that started to work. And then the, the online course was there. And then I started a podcast as a side hustle. And then the next course was a side hustle to that. So it's like, I just kept yes anding and adding more. Mm. So I, I have, I currently, you know, I have several programs and a bigger team that helps and a lot of content and it just keeps stacking up. Yeah. Oh, I just think that's such a gift for someone to hear right now. That's, you know, 30 years old and she is worried about her next transition because she's thinking she has to have it all figured out. And although we know that and contextually we know that, but sometimes, you know, when you're feeling really anxious and you want to find that next thing that you're passionate about, you get stuck in that middle. So, okay. Can you talk a little bit just about the emotion side of that? Like as you're kind of transitioning to, okay, you're building the next thing that you're passionate about you know, on the side of the the existing thing that you have, how did that feel to kind of dance that dance of juggling a lot? And then also knowing that you're feeling called towards something else while you feel like you have to do something that maybe doesn't feel like it's your right thing. Does that make sense? Say it again. So if you're in a job, like to the woman that's kind of in a job and she's feeling a little bit anxious right now because she has this side thing that she's working on and she wants it to be her full-time thing. And she wants to transition, but she's just like feels that tension that comes from doing something that you don't want to be doing right now um, in order for her to do that full-time mm. thing. So you're saying how does she deal with the fact that she might have to stay where, where she is for a while yeah. while she's building the side yeah. hustle? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at it like the investor. You know, it's like that becomes the investor for what you're building. So you can flip it around and actually yeah. now appreciate it. Like, oh, because I have this job doing something mundane, which doesn't take so much of my creative bandwidth, I can leave it at this time every day and put all my bandwidth into the other thing. And this gives me the money 
to invest my free time into that other thing that I like. I mean, that's one way to look at it. Also set yourself a goal. Like how much do you need to sell in order to leave? So how many months will that take? So what's nice about pricing is that every single thing has a market. Mm-hmm. So that means, um, you know, this deck of cards I'm holding in my hand, there's a price for what this game costs. There's a price for what this, my friend got me this Louis Vuitton cute wallet. There's a price for a high-end leather wallet like that. There's a price for a harmonica. There's a price for books. There's a price, you know, you're like, Kath, what do you have on your desk? Harmonicas, deck of cards. It's because I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. So they come in here and then it's fun. I like we're just actually just having a party on exactly. this podcast with a harmonica. <laughs> so the point is that if you ask yourself, okay, well, I do prof- I want to build a professional organizing business and um, the going rate is $125 an hour. I don't know, I'm making it up. How many clients yeah. do I need or how many packages of five hours do I need to sell in order to leave? If I want to sell cheesecake, well, if a cheesecake, let's say, is 30 bucks. How many clients do I need? How many cheesecakes do I need to sell a week? Oh, what if instead of selling to 40 clients a week, what if I had three clients, which each were restaurants in town, and they each bought 10 cheesecakes a week? Then I just need three clients to each buy you know, 10 cheesecakes. You can start to map out, oh, so how many calls a day do I think I would need to make? How many people do I need to sell to? Oh, you know what? I can leave my job in six weeks, three months, you know, whatever it is. It adds up much faster than people think. I have a friend who was waitressing. She wanted to be an actress, waitressing, waitressing, not making enough money, burning the candle at both ends. And I said to her, you went to Carnegie Mellon for theater. Like you're an excellent actor. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just teach it one hour a week and don't waitress So you save your time, save that energy to go to acting class, to work on your craft, to go on more auditions. And she's like, what does that mean? I said, well, the going rate is like $50 for a lesson for kids, right? It's like $52 for the gymnastics in LA, 55 bucks for a piano lesson. That's 45 minutes. So what if you had 15 students in an acting class and it was $50, that's $750. If you taught two classes of 15 kids, that's 1500 bucks a week. Yep. That's $6,500 a month for two hours of your life every week. So then you say, how would I find 30 students, two classes of 15? Well, I need to talk to a bunch of moms and maybe some of those moms even have two kids. So really, how many moms do I need? Really, what do I need to do? Why am I making this so hard? And then maybe she teaches two classes and she goes, wow, I've never even made 6,500 bucks a week. This is amazing. What if I taught four classes a week? Well, now I'm making... 13 plus thousand. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you can utilize and leverage your day job to start looking at what you're making and to start getting yourself into action and building it out. And you will like every other person before you who built a successful side hustle. Yep. There we go. I I just knew that you would articulate that in just such a beautiful way. So cheers to you, Kathy. You're always bringing it. So, okay. Also, you mentioned something when I was um, chatting with you on Instagram about like ideas that you would have for someone that wants to do like a free five-day type thing. Like what type of content do you think that someone that's trying to build up an audience right now during this season should be doing? And dr- how are they driving traffic into their business from your perspective? Like what are some So in tips? general, people need to do live launching big events. Like 
The market is so saturated with noise. You can't just put up an Instagram post that says, hey, I'm selling this or, hey, I'm doing a webinar. I just don't think it works. I think that yeah. a, a business is all about scaling intimacy, right? It's like having intimacy with multiple people. So how do you do that better than you could ever do it? You got to connect with people deeply. So I would say it's better to connect with people over a five-day period every single day for an hour in a Facebook group live every single day than to do a webinar with slides once, right? Think about that. Yeah. So my whole thing is like, don't do the slides, create the intimacy. Don't do the slick yeah. funnels, create the intimacy. So holding space for people and really engaging with people, which means you don't just say I'm doing a five-day challenge and it's today. You know what's happening in four weeks. So for two weeks, you start to talk about what you do, what, why you do it, who you're excited to teach it to, why it's so helpful. Then 10 days out from it, you start saying, join me there. Join me there. I'll be live every day for five days. And then when you show up, really show up. Like give so much of yourself and really share and get people engaged, whatever it is that you're going to be selling. If you're selling a course, like teach most of it. Like people are not going to pay anyway for information. They're paying for the implementation. So don't be afraid to just share the heck out of it. And then when you go to sell it, don't sell the course, don't sell the information. Sell the, I'm here to show up and help you. When you hire a guitar teacher, are they going to magically come up with chords that you can't find online? Is there any information that they have that you can't find online? There's not. Yeah. You're paying them yeah. for the space where they see you, give you feedback, they mentor you. And, and you. last time I checked, in general, when people have a teacher or someone to implement are you better off with the cookbook on your shelf or having Rachel Ray standing next to you saying, okay, when I said fold in the ingredients, I meant like this. Oh, that's different. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you give people these so experiences good. over five days and ultimately they connect to you. And then mm -hmm. if you're doing a five-day event like that for 300 people, a thousand people, yeah, it's going to convert much better than like trying to get people to buy just by seeing a post or an ad or going through some funnel sequence. Like we're humans. We need yeah. deeper connection. Yes. Oh, I, I love that you teach that way. So, okay. To someone that's listening to this right now, can you tell us about kind of that, the program that you have that could help her figure out how to get clarity around like, you know, monetizing a passion or something like that. If she's thinking about that right now. Yes. Um, we have a program called made to do this, which, um, mm -hmm. a few times a year I launch in like this sort of like high touch coaching situation with it along with it. And it's thousands of dollars, but we also have this video series of it where for a very low price, people can walk through me literally helping them do these worksheets and all of these lessons that help them figure out what they want to do. And it's like super cheap. Um, so if they want more of that, they can go to my website, kathyheller.com. They can DM me on Instagram, all that. Um, and yeah, it helps you figure out once and for all, like, how do I figure out what I'm made to do? How do I validate that business? And how do I sort of take off from the dock? Yeah. And so 
did you think that you were going to create that type of a course? Like, was that something that kind of just came from your audience or how did came you from my audience? Because I was asking, yeah. like, I always tell people to ask, what do you need? What do you want? What does your audience yep. want? And a big part of my audience was like, I don't even know what I want to do. I just know I don't want my job or I just don't feel fulfilled. Yep. And I was like, I know that you have something in you that's so magical. The newest thing that's coming, my next program, which is going to launch in May, is really teaching people how do you do a six to seven figure launch without webinars, without slick marketing yeah. and going into detail about what my whole strategy is? Because I have like an entire framework, where, which I think is life-changing for people. It, it, it has been yeah. for me. Because I think when, when they zig, we have to sag. And the way that I do business is just, it's, it's much more about making people feel seen than it is trying to convince people or talking and shouting at people. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, I mean, honestly, some of the programs and the content that you're creating is one of the reasons that I wanted to bring you on like right now, um, because I have a personal development community, but I get a lot of women that come into that community that are like, Kesh, can you teach this business thing? Can you teach me this? And I'm like, let me direct you towards someone that is qualified to teach you this with programs built out. Right. So thank you for sharing all of that. And that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to bring you on because I wanted to point people in the right direction. So I'm excited about that, of course. So one thing that we do on this podcast every time, and you, um, you did this last time. So I'll remind you what you said is we have a Spotify playlist and you add songs to it. It's our pump up jam playlist. So last time you wrote, you suggested Sarah Bareilles, King of Anything and Heart of Hero, which might I add was like in the Olympics written by you. Um, so that's on our playlist. So what else would you like to add to our little pump up playlist that's, that you're vibing with right now? Mm, hang on. I know it's a curveball question because you're like, what? If I only had one no, song, there's we so much danced to, We danced <laughs> to so much stuff in the house. And since the, we usually dance in the car, but since the virus, we're not going in the car very much. And I'm thinking like, what do we always put on? Um, there's a few that we always put on. One of them, I'll just choose this one, but there's so many. One of them is the Megan Trainer. no excuses. It's just so fun. Yes. Oh, I love her. Okay, perfect. And then um, any like last little nugget that you want to give to the woman that's just like feeling all the feels right now of just dealing with everything going on in the world, just to kind of like leave her with a Kathy hug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I would just say, can you just be really kind to yourself? Like when your kids are on screens or if you don't have kids and you're Netflixing all day or you feel like you should be building a business, but you just want to cry. Could you just go get a glass of rosé and give yourself a hug? Like we're in the middle of a freaking pandemic. People are dying and it doesn't feel good. And yeah, everything I just said is also true. Like I can only be myself. That's all I can be. And I really am doing all the things I just said. And I really am enjoying the thing that's keeping me going right now is my business because it's alive. There's life there and it's fun and there's opportunity there and there's connection there. So I do love it. And that's true. But I also recognize that there are other parts of my day where I get off the computer and realize that I'm not going out tonight. I'm not going out tomorrow. It makes me feel sad. 
And I think that we just have to be really extra kind to ourselves. It doesn't help anyone to be hard on yourself right now. So maybe you will drink more wine than normal. Maybe you will gain a few extra pounds. Not the time to be critical, right? Not the time. That's not going to help you. You know what I like to say is like, when it comes to an election, it's not every vote. It's the majority, right? Majority of votes, right? If you're, if you're on a board and they're like trying to vote for, you know, do we put a pool in the rec center? You just need the majority of the votes. So when you do something that you're not happy you did, okay, you made a vote for that. It's not the majority yeah. of the votes. Calm down. You know, if the majority of the time you are rude, you are drinking, you are this, you are whatever. And it's like, okay, all right, look at that, you know, look at that. But, but if you have moments where you give yourself a pass, please do. Like, this is so important right now. And um, we've all already been through so much. The thing is that we've, we were, we had already gone through so much heartache before this. And I think what's happening is the grief is just catching up with us because there's nowhere to run. We can't keep hiding from it in our normal routines. So this might be an opportunity to like crack open and do some inner child work. And where are we running to anyway? Like a part of me, as hard as it is, feels like I don't want the quarantine uh, to go away in the sense that I need to be still and I need to stop going to Nordstrom. I need to stop filling my calendar with extra meetings. It's like, what? How much excess? So much work, so much stuff, so much busy, so much on my calendar. My kids are so scheduled. It's like, I don't know if that's the jam. You know, it's like right now we're barbecuing every night. We're taking walks every day. Feels like the world needs a big healing. And um, we're so productive and we're so busy and we're such doers and we're not really human beings very much. But now we're having to be a human being. And being a human being means you have a human experience and some days you'll feel sad and some days you won't. And some days you'll feel better than others. And letting yourself feel that is a gift. And in the meantime, maybe something beautiful gets born out of that. I don't know, Mm -hmm. but maybe some healing gets born, but we're very adaptable and we're very resilient. And every one of us, your grandparents went through so much more than this. Like your grandparents, your great grandparents, they survived wars, polio, the Holocaust, like you name it, go to any single Irish, Mm -hmm. African, German, pick a nationality, pick a thing. Like We stand on the shoulders of giants and our grandparents and our great-grandparents would think that we were glamping right now. They'd be like, hold on, you'll be fine. Like we've been through it. (laughs) Yeah, people are sick. Yeah, Yeah, people might die. Yeah, this is a reality that the world has been able to survive. You will survive it. You won't like it. It's not pleasant. But compared to what they went through, they're going to be like, you have Zoom video calls? What? <laughs> Were you drinking rosé with your girlfriends on Zoom? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, we got to have a little bit of perspective and we got to choose courage sometimes. And part of that means letting yourself fall apart or else that's not really courage. That's like denial, you know? Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. Okay. So where can we find you for anyone that wants to connect Come with to you? Instagram? I'm there every day, multiple times a day in my DMs, Kathy.Heller. Kathy's with a C. You can also come find my podcast. Don't keep your day job and uh, DM me. And if you like this episode, tag me and then I'll see you in my DMs and come say hi. Yes. 
Kathy, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate you jumping on and sharing all of your knowledge and expertise and just your heart for oh, people. So it just sweet. comes through in everything you do. So thank you. I appreciate you. Your heart comes through in everything you do. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in. If you love this episode, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with a girlfriend, like send it to her right now or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me get the message out. I am so freaking grateful to be on this journey with you, girl. So until next time, I'll talk to you soon.